The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello. Welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I'm the host for this podcast. My husband, Steve Siegel, is the producer of the podcast. Just a reminder to please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star rating so that people can find us when they need hope or they just want to know if there's help available. Today's episode is episode number 316. And today's episode is with a lady named Leanne Blaskowski. She is a board-certified neonatal nurse practitioner. In her words, since 2009, I have been living and working in Colorado, and I am faced almost daily with counseling families about marijuana use during pregnancy and breastfeeding. My nursing education began with an associate's degree way back in 1984, continuing to a bachelor's and master's in nursing more than 25 years later, finally finishing with a doctorate of nursing practice in 2020. With more than 40 years in healthcare, beginning as a bedside nurse in the ICU and the emergency department, she has had the opportunity to interact with patients and families with varying opinions and practices regarding the use of marijuana. So let's talk to Leanne Blaskowski because we definitely have opinions on the subject of the use of marijuana. Leanne Blaskowski. Thank you so much for being willing to talk to us today. We are going to be talking about a subject that maybe shouldn't be controversial, but maybe, and that's just fine, um, marijuana with pregnancy and childbirth. So thank you for being willing to talk to us today. Absolutely. Yes, sadly, it is becoming even more and more controversial. Yes, Um, it is. Hence our meeting here today. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But give our listeners a little bit of your background and what brought you to where you are today. I'm guessing that, you know, I know you have a background in neonatal care and I'm guessing that you saw things. Uh, Yes, (laughs) and more and more things. Um, As Joni said, I am Leanne Blaskowski and I am a neonatal nurse practitioner. I am currently... um, employed as a pediatric hospitalist through CU School of Medicine. And as much as it terrifies me to admit it, I've been in healthcare for more than 40 years and working exclusively with babies for the last 20 of those years, which should tell you (laughs) without exaggeration that I can and do literally talk about babies all day long. They are my business and I have made it my business to speak for those unable to speak for themselves. And excuse me for evaluating, but I'm going to guess that they are also your passion. Yes, (laughs) without a doubt, without a doubt. I I had a, a bit of an unconventional path getting to here. Um, My husband is retired from both uh, the U.S. Air Force and law enforcement, and uh, some of the remnants of his service have left him with some long-term ankle, knee, back issues. Mm -hmm. And he was seeing Dr. Ken Finn, a contributor to the Addiction Podcast, um, for those issues. And he happened to mention that his wife, and that would be me, 
um, at, was an NNP and they chatted over several sessions and Ken reached out to see um, if I might be interested in collaborating with a few others in the field to write a chapter in his new book that he was putting together titled Cannabis and Medicine, shameless plug. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. We're, we're all for shameless plugs, especially when it's right? educational. Right. Um, so we actually ended up meeting in a Starbucks because doesn't everybody, at least before COVID. Yeah. Um, and he told me about his project and his plans for the information that he wanted to con convey. And um, when we first started chatting, I think there were four or five other people that he had lined up to collaborate on this chapter. And if you go to Amazon and get a copy of the book that has a lot of very useful information in it, um, you will see that chapter 16 has me listed as a solo author. Uh, I think it was one of those, they asked for volunteers, everybody else took a and here I am. <laughs> but and just and just for the listeners, um, you know, we had Ken on, and he, you know, he basically educated us um, to kind of debunk the myth that the marijuana of today is not addictive, it's not dangerous, it's fine, it doesn't produce harmful effects, and yeah, he kind of debunked that. And as he should, because according to uh, Tommy Chong, the latter half of the dynamic duo from the 60s and 70s, um, this ain't your granddad's pot. It's gotten a lot stronger. Um, and the effects now that it's been legalized in several states um, across the country, uh, we are seeing a lot more long-term outcomes, particularly for the population that I'm going to focus on today, um, the uh, developing fetus and newborn with breastfeeding. Okay. And what did you see that led you to become outspoken about this particular issue? Um, I saw opportunity. Um, actually, in... Uh, I'm trying to remember what year it was. I think it was 2012 um, when the um, medical marijuana uh, legalization topic came up on our ballot. Um, and at the time we were living in Baltimore, long story, we still had a house here. So we were registered voters here in Colorado um, and we literally flew home to be able to vote against that because I could see the writing on the wall. Um, it is still schedule one federally illegal across the country. Um, but there are now, I think it's 35 states that have some sort of legalization. Um, I could dig through my notes and tell you. Um, I, but just to clarify, kind of what I meant was what did you see with like, pregnant moms and, and babies, what were, what was the result of this, um, legalization? So part of my, um, intake interview with my first encounter with a mom who's just delivered a baby is to ask if you've had any exposure to alcohol, marijuana, tobacco, or other drugs during the pregnancy, because each of those can impact the baby's first few hours, first few days, first several months. And now 
particularly with marijuana, lifelong implications because we're finding more and more. Um, so lifelong. So not, yes, not just as an infant and not just newly born lifelong. Correct. Correct. And we're, and we're getting to find more and more and we'll get to that later into the the meat and potatoes of, um, what we're going to talk about. Um, so understanding that I was hearing more and more, oh, I used it in early pregnancy or as it became legal, um, because now it's legal for recreational use. Um, as it became legal, more and more moms were using throughout pregnancy because there wasn't anybody telling them it's not a good idea. Um, you know, they did, um, some of my colleagues in Denver did a cold call interview to several um, distribution shops in the Denver area. And the majority did not caution moms who, cause she presented the, the caller presented herself as six or eight weeks pregnant. I need this. I'm having this. What do you suggest? And it wasn't until in about 80% of them till she got to the end of the question answers that she said, should I talk to my doctor about this? That they said, oh yeah, you should talk to your doctor. Wow. Reason so if they don't go that far down with the questioning, mm-hmm. they're just like, oh, I guess this is okay to do. Yes. And it was being used to manage the first trimester early pregnancies or there were moms who had been on it long-term using it long-term and didn't stop using it while they were pregnant because they didn't see it as an issue because it's organic and it's legal purported as safe and legal. Well, so is alcohol and that causes a whole lot of problems for babies that are lifelong too. One of the points I was going to make was so is alcohol, but that doesn't mean you should drink a lot while you're pregnant or drink at all while you're pregnant. Correct. Sometimes. The hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 866-989-4499 today. And say the word podcast to get a 10% discount. Or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. Cammie Wolf-Rice is a mother, an advocate, an author, and an agent for change. She has had the unfortunate personal experience of dealing with the dangers of opioid misuse through the death of her son, Christopher who battled this from childhood to his passing. But Cammie has transferred her pain into a strong purpose. She has made it her mission to raise awareness about the opioid epidemic and alternative pain management strategies. Cammie does this by raising awareness of opioids affecting our nation through her nonprofit, her speaking events and podcast appearances, journal publications, and now her book, The Flight. As you can imagine, losing a child is an experience beyond this world. In The Flight, Cammie goes beyond this world to explain the loss of Christopher. We know Cammie. We know her story. We recommend the book. Available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. 
we don't know how much, if any, is safe for any of those chemicals. And despite the fact that it is touted as organic, marijuana is indeed made up of multiple chemicals. The most dangerous one that we have been looking at is the Delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, abbreviated THC, and I will continue to do that because my tongue will fall apart if I don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the THC, um, when it, and I, and it was interesting because I just I recently have done a webinar um, with slides that I'd be happy to share for viewers who are able to get to them um, or listeners who are able to get to them um, that um, I had to stretch this discussion because I, when I encounter a mom, I typically have five minutes to spend with a family, 20 minutes wow. to get into their chart, five minutes to see them, five minutes to talk or write about it. Um, so I have a, a scripted discussion that I have whittled down to about two minutes that not a good idea. If you're using it, don't breastfeed your baby. If you are using it, if you're not, if you want to breastfeed your baby, breastfeed your baby, don't use it because you can't pump and dump. It's not like exposure to a prescription opioid or even an illegal opioid. You can't, the half-life is too long. It's stored in the fat tissue. So I have that conversation whittled down to two minutes. And now I was being asked to talk about it for 45 minutes. And I thought, oh, how am I going to do that? Well, definitely give us the slides because I can I can pop some of them in on the video and I can okay. also if there's a link to them, I can I can link to them. But you brought something up that I'm not familiar with. And you say pump and dump. Is that if I'm addict if I'm using opioids, I can do that and then I can pump the breast milk and then not give it to my child and hopefully the next time they nurse they won't get it? Correct. So um depending on what the chemical exposure is. Now, for, okay. for some moms who have had a C-section, they're taking opioids for pain relief and uh, well-deservedly. Okay. It is major to abdominal surgery. Right. Um, depending on what the um, drug is and the half-life of that drug, you can pump and dump so you don't lose your milk supply um, because milk supply is dependent on uh, recurrent stimulation to maintain supply. Right. Um, and you can pump and dump based on the half-life of that drug to avoid exposing the baby. Now, and it can be a variety of things. It's opioids for C-section moms. It's um, uh, some moms are on chemotherapeutic agents. And depending on the agent that they're exposed to, that's where the pump and dump philosophy comes from. We do not support that for continuing your addictive illegal drug habits. I just want to say, sorry to interrupt you, Leanne. I had two C-sections. I don't think I went home with pain medicine, but I definitely had pain medicine in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Nobody told me I shouldn't just go right ahead and nurse. Well, and, and truly for most, the small amount that you're on that's going to cross into the breast milk isn't a problem. Some babies get a little sleepy. Okay, fine. Um, but, um, like I said, there there are a variety of other things that. And I would imagine if you, just, if you go home from the hospital with it and you're going to continue to take it, it's going to build up and I get it. Okay. Fair yeah. Enough. Sorry. That's Sorry okay. I interrupt you. That's okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but it doesn't work when a mom is um, doing marijuana. 
Correct. Because marijuana is lipophilic. And what that means is that it's attracted to fat. Um, breast milk is 80% fat. And in addition, if mom is a regular user, it is stored in her fat tissues, subject to release at whatever time it feels like being released. Um, there is no gate to control that, um, which is why if you are doing drug screens, THC can remain in your drug screen for 30 days after your last use because it's stored in that fat tissue. Not the only I hope drug. the listeners are understanding this because this is something that we've never heard before. Now, granted, while we've talked about marijuana, we haven't focused on pregnant women and newborns, <laughs> but okay, the marijuana will kind of, if it's going to go anywhere, it's going to go into the breast milk because the breast milk is 80% fat. So you're just dumping marijuana into your kid. Potentially. Yep. 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 And um, the pushback that we as providers get is, well, there's a study. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name, or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com, or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com, or call us at 727 314 Seven zero eight zero, And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. Well, there's a Jamaican study. Well, there is a Jamaican study. <laughs> is it, it like that, the one that said that Oxycontin will only addict 1% of the people? Is it like that one? Kind of, sort of. So um, as I said at the beginning, at the outset, I've been in healthcare for four years, so I have seen lots. And when medicine made pain the fifth vital sign as a bedside nurse in the emergency department, I saw that going way wrong, way fast. And I can very honestly tell you that in the hospital where I was working at the time, I couldn't tell you what year it was because I can't remember. It's been a minute. There were signs in the lobby, 10 feet tall, that said, you can't get addicted to opioids in five days. Take the medicine for your pain after your surgery. I kid you not, within the last five years, in the exact same place as those signs were. Can't get addicted to marijuana. There were narrow signs that said you can get addicted to opioids within five days. Oh. So that being said... Um, there's been, uh, there, the Jamaican study, which is, sorry, I took a side turn. Um, the Jamaican study was a very select subset of pregnant women in Jamaica. I don't know anybody that if you know anything at all about conducting medical research, you have to look at bias. And if you set it in a particular spot, you now have population bias. And they had a few moms that did it once in a while, a few moms that did it every day, and a few moms that used a whole lot more, and I don't know how they actually managed to take care of a baby if they were using that much marijuana. And they tested their breast milk and found levels, and none of those babies had any untoward effects in the first three months of life. But understanding that a brain with all of its neurons 
um, that begins to develop those neurons and neuronal pathways from conception and continues to develop them until the brain matures at age 25. That's 25 years, not days. Not months. And they're developing those neurons by the billions. Um, so, um, the impact to those neurons, this is a chemical that affects multiple parts of the brain. The THC affects multiple parts of the brain. And I have a, a picture representation of what it affects and how it impacts a mature brain. Um, and when I'm giving my presentation, I do, um, an interactive discussion point. Anybody in the last month that's used their GPS to get somewhere, raise your hand. Okay, so when you made a wrong turn, it redirected you, didn't it? What happens if that's going on when neurons are forming in a baby's brain or a toddler's brain? Or because now it's stored in the fat tissue and we don't know how long it's going to be in there because we're not giving babies marijuana to see how long it takes them to get rid of it. Right. Um, so, you know, and, and the lifelong impacts of, okay, this neuronal pathway was connect, was intended to connect point A to point B to point C, but to get to point C, because it had this chemical insult on its way to point B, went down to point G and point K before it got up to point C. Now what's it going to do? Right. So yeah, it's, it's mind boggling the potential. Yep. And you know, I, I'm, I apologize for my listeners. You hear me say this over and over again. It's Russian roulette. And do you want to play Russian roulette with your newborn child or your unborn child? Is that, a, is that something you want to do? And for anybody that doesn't know what Russian roulette is, take a gun, put one bullet in, spin it and shoot it and see. It, it's Russian roulette, Leanne. I mean, it you don't is. it don't know how it's going to affect these babies. And why would anybody want to take that chance? Right. Well, and when when I'm having my two minute drill um, with with parents at the bedside, I have learned over the years that I'm I'm not my I open the discussion with I am not the marijuana police. I am not here to make the choices for your baby It is your decision to make the choices for your baby. We can't go back and undo the exposure that you had during pregnancy, but we can do the best that we can moving forward. And it is my job to give you the information that I have so that you can make informed choices for your baby. It won't be the last one you make. Yep. And I'm, I, I know you have facts. You're not just spouting opinion. And there's so much opinion surrounding marijuana and should it be legal or not. But I remember when Ken was on and I put up all his slides and I said, yo, you can argue with me. You don't agree with me? Fine. But these are the facts. Yep. There's hard data to back up what we are saying and yep. get and more and more coming out. Um, unfortunately, for a very long time, because it was Schedule 1, which means it is illegal, nobody can prescribe it. Nobody should have it. Schedule one, um, your classic opioids that you take for managing pain post-op are schedule two, as are the benzodiazepines. Um, so it's the big ones on schedule one are heroin and um, marijuana. 
Um, but it is still Schedule One and federally illegal. So any study that we conducted, it was very hard to get studies done. People aren't going to admit it. Right. And yeah. and you couldn't just like give it to people. Right. I mean, LSD is another one that's Schedule One. But right. you, you would think that now that um, marijuana is being more and more prevalent in our day-to-day life and society, that a, people would be really interested in knowing what happens and B, it would be easier to do, but not so. Um, when I was writing the book chapter, there was actually a study that was set to start in Utah and it got canceled because they diverted the funds um, because something else was more important. And I don't know how ensuring the safety of the next generation isn't important. Yeah, I, I would wonder what's more important than our, than our children. Mm-hmm. Leanne, are you saying that um, babies are born addicted to marijuana? So not so much. Um, So true addiction to marijuana is one of those gray areas. Um, We are, however, seeing more and more people with addictive personalities that happen to choose marijuana um, that might be leading to less gray area. Okay. Um, and like I said, um, with neo fetal and neonatal exposure, um, what we've looked at mostly is opioids because right. neonatal abstinence syndrome is a very well-known, well-published, well-studied thing. We have lists of things that we watch for. Right. Um, as we are watching for those things, um, it's hard to tease out true babies addicted to marijuana because classically, it's not the only thing. Um, right. Moms who are smoking uh. marijuana are also using nicotine, whether it's cigarettes or vaping. Nicotine does cause withdrawal in babies. And it's not necessarily addiction because when we cut the cord, um, the baby's supply stop. So they're no longer addicted unless somebody's giving it to them in a bottle or a breast. Right. right. Um, so they are no longer truly addicted. But, but it's they instant withdrawal, isn't withdrawal. it? Withdrawal, correct, yeah. yes. Um, so... Uh, what is that? How does that manifest itself in a baby? What does a baby go so through? Babies are, babies that are going, and, and it depends on um, what they were exposed to as right. to what the withdrawal looks like. Um, classic neurological signs, because this is all impacted through the brain, um, are jitteriness, they're shaky, um, super fussy, can't coordinate to eat. Um, I, it, the, for the super fussy, I characterize that as zero to 60 and 3.2. They're fine and then they are off the charts, losing their mind. Um, you can't console them, they won't settle. They just cry and cry and cry and cry. They don't sleep. Um, they don't feed well. They can't coordinate. They have to be able to coordinate, suck, swallow, and breathe to be able to feed. And they can't get their brains to function well enough to settle um, to and do that. And that's true with marijuana as well? Um, no, this is just um, neonatal withdrawal in I general. Okay. Um, babies who are exposed to nicotine, and when we're looking at what they were exposed to, depending on the agent that they were exposed to, we look at the varying varying times of onset of their symptoms. 
Um, babies who are exposed to nicotine because mom's smoking or vaping, usually those signs happen within 24 hours after delivery because the half-life half life, sorry, of nicotine is so short, mm. they, their bodies notice that they're not getting it anymore. Right. Um, for prescribed opioids, it's 24 to 48 hours. For methadone, which is what we use to help moms who are going through an addiction cycle, get them on a more regulated dose of an opioid drug. Um, the half-life for that is longer. So we monitor those babies for 72 to 96 hours. Okay. Um, we've also discovered that babies withdraw from SSRIs. Anybody who's on an antidepressant, SSRI is selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Zoloft mm -hmm. is an SSRI. Those babies actually experience, depending on, and it is dose and duration dependent, um, those babies actually exhibit some signs of withdrawal as well, up to and including um, there is an SSRI syndrome that actually makes it look like the baby's having a seizure. They're not. It's not a seizure disorder. It's just their brain misfiring because of the chemical insults they got while mm. they were developing in utero. Mm. Um, any of the benzos have the potential for causing withdrawal in the baby. Um, so, and, and like I said, you know, the discussion around um, marijuana being a gateway drug, does it lead to other things? Data is out there that's saying it did. And yep. um, we as a family have personal experience with that um, outside of healthcare. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it's definitely there. Is a baby truly addicted and withdrawing from marijuana? Hard to say because not studied in isolation right. and in the real world, rarely used in isolation. And and the overall point of what you were just saying is, and people listening, just you need to not do drugs and alcohol and smoking if you're pregnant. It's going to affect your baby. And, and, and it's that, it's that protective measure, you know, and you can, there are so many examples of every time you get in the car, you put on your seatbelt to protect yourself in case you're in an accident. Nobody plans on getting in an accident, but if it happens, you're protected. Right. You put the baby in a car seat or the toddler in a car seat to protect them if you're in an accident. When you're looking at making choices of, am I going to use? Am I not going to use? Is there something else I can do to help me get through whatever it is that I would classically reach for a cigarette, a drink, a pill, a syringe? What else can I do that's going to protect my baby while they're still inside? Yeah. And do you, do you teach them alternatives? Do you, can you name what some of those might be? In my current practice, no. Um, there are many options out there. As I said, I mentioned briefly methadone. Methadone is a provider prescribed synthetic opioid. It fills the receptors in um, the body with the opioid channels, satisfiers as it were, um, but it doesn't give you that high. So it's taking the psychological component, fixing the physiologic component, because we don't want moms to withdraw while they're pregnant because it alters placental blood flow and can impair the baby. Okay. Um, 
So it, it gives their body the opioid physiologically that it needs without satisfying the psychological piece so that when moms deliver baby, then they can get into a program for um, opioid withdrawal and um, cessation. Um, but there, there are... Um, are there natural alternatives? So, great question. If there are, I haven't um, seen or found any. It's more... So, physiologic addiction to nicotine, for, for instance, is five days, it wants you to stop. When you quit smoking, your body craves nicotine for five days. Okay. After that, it's all the habits. Right, right. The things you do when you pick up a cigarette, when you feel you need to go get, get a cigarette. I used to smoke. There's nobody worse than a former smoker. <laughs> <laughs> when you talk about getting off smoking. Um, and I have also talked with people who were addicted to both nicotine and heroin. They said nicotine was harder oh, to stay away go. from <laughs> because the heroin makes you sicker and shit. It, it, pardon me. That's okay. You know, <laughs> um, exposes you to all kinds of life limiting diseases and conditions. So you don't want to go back to that once you get off of it for the most part. Um, but nicotine is really hard to stay away from. Yeah. Um, but, uh, there, there are like for alcohol, there are 12 step programs. There's, you know, uh, therapies and talking through and just finding your thing that makes you not reach for the joint or the edible. And now it's so easy to get because it's in edibles. Yep. And that's a whole nother discussion because oh, the way they yes, package it is. that stuff, holy cow. What the, child the, doesn't like gummy candy? Correct. And they look just like gummy bears. Yes, they and do. And if kids are accustomed to eating gummy bears, they're grabbing a handful. And yep. that's enough to put an adult in the hospital yep. and kill a child. Yep. Um, there was a couple of years ago, somewhere in Colorado, a guy got a cookie. Okay. I don't know who in their right mind can only eat an eighth of a chocolate chip cookie, but that's the serving size. Hmm. <laughs> and, and he ate a whole of cookie, a cookie an eighth of a cookie okay. um, and he ate the whole cookie and jumped off a building okay he was having paranoid delusions that yep. went along with the overdose of the thc got it um so yeah it's it's truly terrifying how easy it is to get how easy it is for kids to get their hands on it and actually um, I just had rolled across my um, LinkedIn feed not too terribly long ago, a study published um, that was showing the increase in children needing to visit the ER because they were overexposed to marijuana through picking up a parent's edible wow. and not realizing what they had. Wow. Hmm. It's kind of crazy. And we don't know. I, I think based on one of the things that you said, we don't know what the long-term effect of this marijuana exposure during pregnancy is going to produce in the children? Uh, uh, precisely no, but we're finding out a whole right. lot. Right. Um, if you look across the world, um, there are ongoing studies um, in places where it's been legal longer than it has been here. Okay. Um, and school-aged children are showing um, lower overall IQ scores, 
difficulties with focus and attention. Um, and, and of course, then when they have difficulties with focusing or attention, then the idea is to put them on drugs for ADHD. And so that leads correct. to a whole other can of worms, which we're not going to talk about here. <laughs> and then um, also other documented things, there were congenital heart defects, holes in, uh, between the walls in the upper chamber called an atrial septal defect. That's abbreviated ASD, um, lower birth weights. Um, and, um, there were some, uh, Dutch studies around famine that show that people who were exposed to starvation and for lack of better words, growth restriction in utero is a short-term imprinting starvation. And that imprints for bigger problems with diabetes and hypertension and shortened lifespan throughout their lifetime. Um, and here in the United States, there are groups looking at, since the legalization of recreational marijuana, the increase in the number of diagnosed autism mm. cases and making links to, as they're teasing through all of the data, because it hasn't been there for very long, um, linking it to children being placed on the autism spectrum if they were exposed in utero or during breastfeeding and wow. or during breastfeeding. Wow. So yeah, there's the, the, the information is evolving and I came, I, I was born in a time when it was nothing for a woman to knock back a highball while she was smoking a cigarette. Um, and I gave birth in a time where you weren't allowed to even do anything you couldn't even take a Tylenol. And now they're letting up on a few things and they have these marijuana shop owners that are saying, yeah, if it makes, if you're nauseated here, try this. It won't hurt any. You know, it's absolutely horrifying. And I, if you're listening and you're as horrified as I am, well, you need to get even better educated and you need to pass the word. Leanne, how can people get access to some of this research so they can see it for themselves? Huh. Well, with our World Wide Web, it is as easy as a Google search, um, but teasing out the medically backed information um, is a little more challenging Talk to your providers. If you are pregnant, talk to your obstetrician. Don't get on the Yeah, Facebook not a marijuana group. shop owner. Or the Facebook mom group that says, oh, I used every day while I was pregnant and my baby came out fine. Fortunately for you, that's great. But and you, you don't, don't even know, know for sure that that's the end of it. That's true. Correct. Um, talk to your providers. Um, take advantage of your exposure to your providers. Talk to different ones. Um, do prenatal research before you get pregnant. <laughs> For a lot of us, um, the news that we were becoming parents was the positive pregnancy test. For lots of couples, they plan it and they do all of the, the legwork ahead of time and make yep. their decisions. Yep. Um, and being early pregnant, I'm here to tell you, is miserable. There was a time that I would have sold my soul to keep down a dinner. Mm -hmm. 
Pregnancy for me personally was better than Weight Watchers. I lost weight long before I ever gained it. And they were worried enough that at one point in one of my pregnancies, they threatened me with admitting me to the hospital for IV nutrition because I was, babies are parasites. They will take what they need from you and leave you what's left. And it wasn't enough. Yeah. Well, I didn't have morning sickness, so I I, oh I managed gosh, to come horrible. through it without that. It was horrible. But, but the there... thought of using something that wasn't tested and wasn't studied and deemed to be as safe as it could be for me to take while I was pregnant, it never even it never even occurred to me because I wasn't important. It, it's the right. Baby that was and 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 we're you I don't know how old you are and I'm I don't need to know that, but I we are not that far away from the whole thalidomide um Correct. I actually you know, use thalidomide fiasco. in the book. Yeah. I, I mean that was yeah. You don't want to know about that one, listeners. But the point is, you know, we could be having something similar in some ways if if they're finding out that babies who were exposed to marijuana both um while inside mom and maybe even beyond are having holes in their heart and other issues, you know, it, I get, once again, it's that Russian roulette. And do you want to play Russian roulette with your baby, whether the baby's still inside you or whether you've had your baby? It, it, it's just, it makes no sense. And you need to get educated. And is there information on the Drug Free America website? Yes, there is. Okay. So that's D like David, F like Frank, A, flikefrank.org, right? DFAF.org. So you can go there if you can't find it anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And Drug Free America, um, you know, I mean, that's how we found um, Leanne here. They're all about marijuana and with facts and figures, not just, you know, it's wrong, it's bad, you know, you shouldn't. It's facts and figures. You know, this is and not can, the mar- yeah, this is not the marijuana of the sixties. I'm sorry. It's no. just not. And people It's gotten much more potent. Um, and like I said, depending on the product, that cookie that I referenced, an eighth of a cookie is a quote unquote serving size. It's a five milligram dose. If you eat a whole cookie, you're gonna overdose. Yep. Um and um you can also get information from the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Um, whatever state you're in, you can Google your Department of Health. Um, a lot of each state has their own respective um, page for pregnancy and breastfeeding, and there's information on those. Yep. Um, uh, and we've also had people on the podcast that have lost children, um, due to marijuana addiction. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I know that there's controversy about whether or not it's addictive, but there are, have been people on our podcast who would look you in the eye and say, yeah, well, don't tell me it's not addictive because my child died. So, yeah. um, there's, yeah, there's a lot of resources out there, not your local pot shop. That's not the best yeah. resource for that. Because um, that's their revenue. Why? Why would they? Why would they tell you not to use something that they're trying to make money off of? Exactly. It's like the used car salesman, basically. Yeah, right. <laughs> Le- yeah, Leanne, thank you for what you do, and thank you for you know educating and putting the correct information out there, and definitely provide us with whatever you have. I like I okay. said, I can pop it up on the video because I can put little pictures over over us. 
Um, and if there's then a link to some of that research, if you give me that, I can also put that in the show notes and then people can find it. But um, I appreciate you. I appreciate everything you're doing. Thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to hear me. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. Um, after we were done with the interview, we were talking to Leanne and Leanne and her husband lost um, one of their children uh, in 2020. He was an avid um, pot smoker and dabber and vapor and um, bought an illicit Xanax that was fentanyl and they lost their son. Sorry, makes me a little emotional. Anyway, you know, I said it during the interview. This is the thing. If you're pregnant, if you know someone who's pregnant, don't use marijuana, don't use alcohol, don't use nicotine. Obviously, don't use other drugs. But the point is, you, you're playing Russian roulette with another life. And um, just don't do it because, you know, you're going to be a mom and you or a dad, maybe you know someone, maybe your wife is pregnant or your partner's pregnant, and that's just not a risk you want to take. So do your own research, though. You don't have to take it from me. And um, yeah, go to D, like David, F like Frank, A like Apple, F like Frank, DFAF.org, stands for Drug Free America Foundation. All the research is there, and I will get whatever research that Leanne has and figure out how to let you know what that is. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back again next week with another interview. You have been listening to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com.